Good evening. Welcome to Nighttime. I'm Dave Wager, your host here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. Tonight I want to talk about those that might be disappointed and not understanding everything that God does. Because, frankly, I'm not sure we're supposed to understand what God does. We can see what He does and we can understand something about God but we're not supposed to understand everything he does because we're not him and we're, we're the created. He's the creator. And when we get frustrated because we don't understand everything he does and we demand him to reveal to us a special understanding, it's just possible that we can't understand. We'd be far better off focusing on things that we could understand rather than focusing on what we can't. That's the way life is in every area of life. For example, I can't understand how God created the earth just by the word of his mouth. I don't know how he created the universes. I don't know how he sustains the universes. I can't understand how the sun doesn't just burn up. How earth is so perfectly distanced from the sun. I don't understand all those things. I just know that it is, and it tells me something about God. It tells me that he's precise, that he's orderly, that he's a giver because this sun gives us life, that he's energy. Now, the sun isn't God, but God creates energy. In Romans 1, 19 and 20, it tells us, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. That 19th verse is something very special in that it talks about there are things that can be known about God. But if I tell you there are things that can be known about God, I must also tell you that there are things that cannot be known. You can sit and try and figure out what it's like to live in a timeless state for quite a while and really never grasp what timelessness is all about. Trying to understand the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. Both are taught in the scriptures and sometimes we argue about which way it goes one way or the other, but both are there. I really have a choice today. I can make that choice. God is sovereign. He will be victorious in the end. That's the way it goes. I don't need to understand all the ifs and whats and whys about it. I I need to accept that as God being out of my range of understanding. Because he is. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Talking about we people, that God has been very careful to show us who he is. If you want to know God today, you can. If you want to understand everything about God, you can't. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. The things that you can know will be plain because God will make sure that you know those things unless you push it out of your mind. The 20th verse goes on to say, 
for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and its divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Let me read that verse again. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Do you know that God expects you and I to go and observe the things around us and conclude that there is a God? You've heard me talk about some of the simple things in life. In my hand, as I talk to you, I have a pen. The pen has a creator. It has a designer. It has a purpose. Nobody would call me foolish for understanding that. Somebody created ink, and it flows into this little cartridge or comes out this little ballpoint end of it. It has a purpose. It was created. This is not a computer. It's a pen. It's not a book. It's a pen. It's not a light bulb. It's a pen. It has a very specific purpose. I can't use it for a light bulb. I can't use it for anything else. The only real use of it is a pen. Now, I know that just by observing it. There's a lot I don't know. I, I don't know the person's name who designed it. I don't know the factory that it got produced in. I don't know how the equipment got put together. I have no idea the composite material that are, is put together to make it the shape it is and the strength it is. See, there's a lot about this pen I don't understand. But there's a lot about the pen I do understand. So it's not unusual when you and I are not completely understanding everything about somebody else or about God or about any other topic. There are things we can understand, and we need to make our choices in light of the things that are revealed to us. What I know from the 19th verse is that what can be known about God should be plain to me because God will show it to me. I need to be one who looks at the creation that God gives to us and understand what I can about God by looking at the sunset, by looking at um, the sunrise. I know that God is orderly. I know that he, he is way beyond my comprehension, but we have sunlight, we have, we have darkness, we have rest, we have created bodies that work in a certain way. I know that there's Life that is a gift of God. I know that one day God chooses life to end. I understand that. I may not understand how he does all that. But I do understand something about God by observing the things around me. For the invisible attributes, which is an interesting way to put it, the invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived or clearly seen. When I take a look at what God has made, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that he has made. So God reveals himself in the universe. I get to go out and I get to look and think. You know, I suggest that you spend some time going outside and just sitting and thinking. 
perhaps you're in the middle of winter like we are here in the Northwoods of Wisconsin, so sitting outside may not be overly comfortable. Maybe you need to sit inside, and if you have a fireplace, start it, and look at the fire. Look at the outside through your windows. Look at the animals. Look at the birds. Start thinking of all the wondrous things that God has created that he sustains because he loves us. When you go back into Genesis and you read the account of creation, you see that he created things. He created everything within six days, and he said it was good. I think when he said it was good, he was thinking of you and me and all the people that would enjoy these things. You know, as a father, I love to give my children things that they could actually use, that they would actually enjoy, that would make their life something that was more fun to be a part of. God's the same way. When he created sunrises and sunsets, he could have been thinking of me. I enjoy those. I enjoy seeing them. I enjoy talking to God while I see a sunset. It changes so rapidly you can't even almost take a picture of it before it changes. Likewise on the sunsets. We get a chance to go to sleep and start over again tomorrow. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. The next phrase is interesting. So they are without excuse. People that say they don't know God, they don't see God, they haven't been looking. All the way through the Bible, we understand that if you seek God, you'll find him. He doesn't hide from you. Anybody who seeks him will find him. And in this particular passage, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, divine nature, are clearly seen by those who want to see him. From the time I was a young man, the schools that I attended at Chicago Public School didn't really teach that there was a creation but that the world kind of came into existence on its own. We have people that have gone through the educational system in the United States of America that are spiritually blind. They think that the world came into existence as some big accidental blob or explosion or something, and that everything that's happened has been an evolutionary process that doesn't have any meaning. When you think about it that way, you realize then why people are depressed and anxious and angry. They're living lives that really are accidents. They have no reason to really exist. They're, they just happen to come on the scene. They evolved from things that were nothing. And therefore, they can debate whether they should take young babies that are in their mother's wombs and kill them. Because to them, these are accidental blobs of protoplasm. They're not real people. God says, if you would take some time to just look around, your logic will kick in. When you take time and you look at a pen, you know it's got purpose and creation, etc. You look at a shirt that you're wearing or a pair of pants, you understand that there was design, that there was creation, that there's purpose for these things. When you look at the universe, you understand design, detail. When I look at the universe, when I think about it, when I look at the stars at night, 
if I go lay down on Sawyer Lake, which is right on the shores of Silver Birch Ranch, and, and hear the ice cracking and moaning throughout the night, when I see those who are out on Sawyer Lake fishing and enjoying a meal of fresh-caught fish, I think of God's wonderful provision, the way he created the universe, the thought, the order, the love that he must have for me and for you. You see, God is a God of order, a God who's intentional, a God who wants to give. He has given us the universe to enjoy, the earth. He has given us trees and fruit and vegetables and he has given all that so that we could enjoy the life that he has also given to us. He's also given us choice, free choice. If he wouldn't have given us choice, we would not be able to be loved. He could have made us robotic. He could have made it so we had no choice, but he didn't do that. He made it so that we had a choice. The more I think this through, the more I understand who God is. What can be known about God can be plain to those who take time to observe. His invisible attributes can be clearly perceived. If we go all the way back to the creation of the world and put things into context. But if we live that way, then we need to live in the context of an almighty God who is actually in charge of the universe. Psalm 104 has been called the natural theology by some old Jewish people. A natural book of theology, but coming from nature, natural. Let me read it to you. Psalm 104.1 Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty covering yourself with light as a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. He lays beams of his chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He rides on the wings of wind. He makes his messengers winds, his ministers of flaming fire. He set the earth on its foundations so that it should never be moved. You covered it with deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke they fled. At the sound of your thunder they took flight. The mountains rose. The valleys sank down to the place that you appointed for them. Yet set a boundary that they may not pass, so that they may not again cover the earth. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Besides them, the birds of the heaven dwell. They sing among the branches. From your lofty abode, you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. In them the birds build their nests, the storks have her home in the fir trees. 
The high mountains are for the wild goats. The rocks are a refuge for the rock badgers. He made the moon to mark the seasons, and the sun knows it's time for setting. You make darkness, and it's night, when all the beasts of the forest creep about. The young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they steal away and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to work and to his labor until evening. O Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom have you made them all. And the earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things, both great and small. There go ships, and Leviathan, which you form to play in it. These all look to you to give to them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works, who looks on the earth and trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will praise to my God while I have been. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. When I read that psalm, I don't always see the world and creation as deeply as the psalmist does right there. But I do see God's hand, his imprint everywhere in nature. When was the last time you spent time just sitting quietly and observing what God has made? Years ago, I used to take young people out in the woods for a week at a time on horseback. Now, it sounds like a thrilling escapade, and it is to a certain degree, but really we sat on top of horses and walked for a week because you wouldn't run them for a week out in the woods. And as I did that, there were many hours of just sitting and walking through God's marvelous creation. We saw many animals. We saw brooks and streams and rivers. We saw many trees, crags and valleys and little hills. It was an amazing thing to be out in the woods for a week at a time and to take those who lived in an urban jungle out for a while. By the end of our time together, we were always sitting around fires outside talking about something that would honor God and bring us closer to Him. Spending time out in the woods and nature is a good thing. We've kind of lost that in many respects. We, we lose the awe that comes with being in the middle of a place that has to be sustained by God Himself. I remember once while I was riding, I was asking God to show me who he was through his creation. And as I watched the trees go by, I noticed something. I noticed that the trees seemed to either be reaching out 
to God with their branches like arms, pointing to God as the evergreens did, or bowing to God. They all seem to naturally cause me to begin at some point on the tree, on the trunk, but my eyes always ended up moving upward, and I ended up looking into the sky when I was done. Those big evergreens that were far away, I could see the points on them pointing to God. The trees that were closer, their branches were spread in a way where it was like the arms reaching out and praying to God and praising Him. They all looked to the heavens to get their strength from the sun to get the energy that they needed, from the soil to absorb the nutrients. And through a wonderful process, God would take that dirty water and that sun and mix it in those leaves until it comes out sugar. Those plants would absorb the carbon dioxide that I would exhale, and it would give me oxygen. How could anybody think that this all happened by accident? It didn't. And even riding on a horse for a week in the woods can show me the attributes of Almighty God to a certain degree. Well, not completely, but to a certain degree. I was reading a commentary that said, Beauty in nature is something so subtle so incomprehensible that there is no language we can employ or discover which can in any way enable us to understand what is the common root and ground out of which all the beauty springs, apart from God. But those who choose to not see God in his creation, who refuse to see the plan of God, who when they look at another person, they don't see the intricacies that that person was made with, the specialty that God has designed that human to have. Those who want to refuse to see God in his creation, Romans 1.28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Those who refuse to acknowledge that there is a God, a creator, a sustainer of life, those who want to ignore the obvious, can live that way as if there is no God. God will let them do that. The problem is, then there is no right and there is no wrong. Might begins to make right, or manipulation begins to be a strength instead of a scorning thing. You see... If we acknowledge God and we acknowledge his plan and we acknowledge the fact that he formed us in our mother's womb and he, we acknowledge the fact that he created the universe and the earth and, and the flowers and the, and the fruit for those that he loved. If we acknowledge the fact that we are part of his creation then we act in a way that's accordance with what we understand. But if we believe there is no God because we think everything happened by accident, including us, then we will live in a way that demonstrates a debased mind and we will do things that we shouldn't do. You can't say that you shouldn't do something if there is no God, but there is a God. And we need to live in the context of who he is. As I think about the wonders of creation and I think about the wonders of my own creation, that God created me 
I begin to look and see the purposes that he has for me as well. Well, I don't understand everything, that is for sure. But what I do understand gives me a glimpse of who God is, and I can rest in who he is. See, God is all-powerful. He created all things. I'm not all-powerful. I've created very little other than messes. You see, I can begin to contrast my life with God's life, and I can begin to understand the differences. And they're vast. When I get right down to the end, though, I understand that God loves me. And that all of this creation and all of his powers and all of his authority are wrapped up in the idea that he actually loves me and wants me to be with him for eternity. John 3.16 tells me that God so loved that he gave, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved that God gave. When you love, you give. The universe is really so big that it's beyond our comprehension. God is really so big that he's beyond our comprehension. The universe is so orderly that it's beyond our comprehension how something could be that orderly. God is orderly, so much so that he's so orderly that it's beyond our comprehension. You and I can know God. We just need to spend time thinking about who he is and looking at the things that he gave to us to show who he is. Not only that, I need to live in a way that demonstrates who God is. As I read the scriptures and I have put my trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior, as a child of God, I get to align my life with his purposes and his plans. When I do that, not only does creation speak of who God is because of the characteristics that is in creation, but I too get to speak of God's characteristics by displaying who he is and how I live. I can understand a little bit about God by observing the things that he gave to us. I can understand even more about God by observing people who love him and walk with him. That's what it means to glorify God. And sin will keep me from that. And those who don't know who God is and those who refuse to get to know who he is, sin is the only game they've got. And that will keep them from being what they should be. And if you're being kept from what you should be, you're going to experience things you should never experience, like depression and anger, anxiousness, hopelessness. There'll be all kinds of things that we won't be able to straighten out because it doesn't start and end with God. The creation, it starts with God. In the beginning, God. One day, the creation, it will end with God. There will be a time where he creates a new heaven and a new earth. And the one that we have now will be past. You see, all good things start with God. And in the end, it will be only God and those who align themselves with him. As a child of God, I know that he tells me in the scriptures that he's gone to prepare a place for me. 
And the great hope that I have is to be with him for eternity, enjoying his creativeness forever and ever, enjoying the relationship that he forged for me forever. And it's really because of his faithfulness, his love, that I get to look forward to that, not because of my obedience. I really hope that you can take the time in the near future to spend time outside, enjoying who God is, enjoy his creation, enjoying the fact that he loves you and that sunrise, that sunset, that loon you hear in the distance, it's there for you. It's a gift that God has given you to demonstrate his love to you. Well, I'm Dave Wager here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. Thanks for listening. Good night for now. Thank you.